Well, it's great to see you again. I don't know if you remember or if you were new here, you definitely don't remember, but almost a year ago today, about two weeks off, are we, uh, is when Anna and I and our family moved back from Texas to Vancouver. And on that very first Sunday we were here, which I believe was June 30th, if I'm not mistaken. On June 29th, David called me and he said, you know, I want you to meet the church. I want you to introduce yourself, but it's going to take a long time. There's hundreds of people. So how about you just preach? And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and preach. And so I preached that first Sunday I was here uh, and gave kind of my story. And if you were here, you might remember it had to do a lot with some baggage and some luggage that we talked about. Uh, if not, go on the website. I believe it's there and you can go, you can go revisit. This is going to be kind of a part two to that uh, thing. Instead of my story, I want to talk about once we're here, once we become followers of Christ, how do we continue in when we face what I consider to be one of the greatest risks to our walk? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say three F words because we're a progressive church. Uh, <laughs> and that is forward-facing following forward-facing following. And those three F words are very important. Uh, And the reason I want to talk about it is because the past uh, is just a haunting, terrible thing that that the enemy would love to continue to remind you about. And that's what we talked about with the baggage, right? If you're carrying your past around with you everywhere you go, your hands are full of that, and you're not able to go and put them to work for the Lord. But let's say we put all that baggage behind us, and we're trying to do new things, and the past keeps coming back. Satan loves to whisper in your ear, don't you remember when? Don't you remember when? So I want to tell you a story about a guy who goes to the doctor. And he goes to the doctor and tells the doctor, doctor, I'm having a hard time. Every single part of my body hurts. Every single, body my, every single part of my body hurts. And he goes, it hurts when I touch my ear, ow. You know, it hurts when I touch my ow. Ow, 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 ow. And the doctor says, just stop. I know what the problem is. You have a broken finger. <laughs> See if we were... <laughs> David hates it when I tell jokes. Uh, <laughs> you shouldn't laugh at that. Uh, if we run everything through this one filter, everything goes through this one thing, the finger, everything hurts. And if we run everything through the past, if we're always looking backwards, then everything looks so much worse than it really is. For God is a God of the future, for he forgets the past. He forgives. And that is is behind you, not in front of you. Uh, My son, Seth, who is running a camera right now trying to follow me around as I wander. Um, Yes, he's way up there. You can't see him. Uh, He just turned 15 this year, and so he got his permit. He's taking traffic safety. And I got to, a couple weeks ago for the first time, take him to a parking lot and put him behind the wheel. I'm still alive, so that's the good news. He did very well. Uh, We went around the parking lot. It was just fine the first drive. Second drive, I said, okay, now it's time to try to back up. Let's go ahead and try to back up. And so we pulled into a parking spot. We switched seats, and Seth got in there. He put it in reverse, and, and the car started going backwards. And I said, hit the brake. Which way are we going? He said, backwards. And I said, let's just make a rule. Whichever way we're going, let's look that way. So if we're going backwards, we want to go ahead and look that way, whatever direction we're going. And as Christians, as we're trying to be these followers of Christ, we should not be looking back. We should be looking forward, forward, for the past is in trouble. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus is talking uh, to a guy who who says, let me go talk to my brother, let me go do this. And and Jesus says this, Luke chapter 9, verse 62, says, but Jesus said to him, "No no one having put a put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. 
Sermon over. Take that home with you. No one who puts his hand to the plow that says, I'm going to follow God and keeps looking back is even fit for the kingdom. What are you doing looking back? There's nothing back. You don't live there anymore. You may remember a a young lady um, whose name is never mentioned, but in the Bible, we just call her Lot's wife. And Lot's wife and Lot are, are fleeing a city. And there's just one rule, just one rule, God says. And what is that rule? Don't look back. One rule. And I'll save you. Don't look back. Lot's wife looks back, turns into a pillar of salt. Now, if you haven't heard that story before, we have a funny joke among pastors where a pastor doesn't tell that story. And he says, don't be like Lot's wife. And all the people that haven't read the Bible look around and they go, boy, I bet she's embarrassed wherever she's sitting. <laughs> so second point, make sure you know the scripture. Uh, but Lot's wife is a great example of not looking back. Jesus' example here, whoever puts his hand to the plow and looks back isn't even fit for the kingdom of God. We've got to keep our focus forward. In John chapter 8, verses 31 through 36, Jesus gives us this. He says, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We love that verse, right? But then they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants, bro. We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever Therefore, let's sing a song. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We are so easily caught up in looking back. Hey, I'm Abraham's descendant. We weren't weren't slaves to the Pharaoh. Oh, but you are slaves to sin. And that's why we sing that song we sang this morning, Egypt. You stepped into my Egypt. No, I wasn't a slave to Pharaoh, but I was a slave to the flesh. I was a slave to sin, was being the operative word, because we don't look back anymore. We look forward. We're a forward-facing follower. I'll give you one more. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and what we're going to do here is we are going to, I'm going to give you nine, yes, nine, sorry kids, that means there's going to be nine points today. Hold on tight, Ellie. Nine examples of how Satan would love to insert just a thought, just a thought into your mind. And if you're a note taker, now would be the time to pull out your notes or your phone or however. Um, And I'm going to give you a, when you hear this, remember this, because we want to stay forward facing. We don't want to keep using our broken finger, the past, and touching every part of our life. We want to face forward. So here's our first one. When you say, if only I would have, if only, this is looking back, right? You go, man, when I was 18, if only I would have. On Facebook, I see this all the time. Uh, If you could go tell yourself when you were 18, anything, what would you tell them? It's like, it doesn't matter. You're not going to talk to the person who's 18. And that was in the past, forward facing. But it's going to sneak in your mind. If only I would have, if only, if you tell yourself, if only, if Satan inserts that thought into your mind, this is what we want to say. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians 10, there we go. For though we walk in the flesh, yes, 
We do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, <coughs> bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Every thought into captivity. Thoughts are going to enter your mind. They're going to. I'm not going to pretend that you're not going to have thoughts. But when those thoughts come, and if only take that thought captive by the knowledge of who Christ is, by the knowledge of your saving grace, that he has thrown in as far as the east is from west. If I hear, if only I take that thought captive and I don't look back, for we have the righteousness in Jesus Christ. When you hear, if only you take that thought captive through the power of Jesus Christ. Number two. Why does it go to number three on my list? Okay, well, <laughs> number three. <laughs> when people are judgmental, speak falsely against you, or you guilt trip yourself. Okay, has this ever happened to anybody? Everyone ever been judgmental to you? Hmm, maybe at work? Hmm, maybe a husband's looking at, her, at his wife and a wife's looking at her husband right now? Judgmental. Or even to yourself, you guilt trip yourself. Or maybe someone's speaking falsely against you. These are things, I mean, I got it. They're saying stuff about me, and they're talking about my past. They're talking about who I used to be. Don't you remember when you were 18? Don't you remember when you were 11? My parents tell stories about me when I was 11 all the time. It drives me nuts. I'm sure that doesn't happen to anybody else in this room. But to me, it happens. Uh, and someone's bringing up the past, uh, and, and, they're, and you're guilt-tripping yourself. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You all love that one. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me says the Lord. If someone's speaking falsely against you, who cares? If, if you're trying to guilt trip yourself, oh, I remember when you did that, when you're, who cares? Apply lesson number one. Take that thought captive. And remember, your righteousness doesn't come from you. If you could do it yourself, everybody would do it. We can't do it ourselves. We haven't done it ourselves. That's why we have this past that keeps coming up. But we have the gift of grace by Jesus Christ, our Savior. And by His righteousness, who cares? When people speak falsely against you, okay, go for it. I know where my value lies. It's not in their words. It's not in their opinions. It's not in their gossip. It's not in my guilt trip of myself. It's, there's no power in any of that. You know where there's power? In the name of Jesus. In his salvation, in his righteousness, we are made whole. When we start to get this judgmental tongue that wants to bring out the past, don't put your plow, hand to the plow and look back, but instead take that thought captive and realize your value doesn't rest in their words or their opinions or your own judgmentalness of yourself, but instead in the righteousness of God who declares, I am the Lord and I've made it so. I'll take his word over mine every day and certainly over anyone else's. Take that thought captive. Who cares? Next, 
when you fear you're going to make the same mistakes over and over. Now, this one's personal for me. <laughs> I'll make a mistake. I'll say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'll wake up the next morning and do the exact same thing again. And again. And again. And it, it drives fear. And I'm so afraid I'm just going to keep... It makes me not want to go. It makes me not want to do. It makes me want to stay in bed or stay inside and stay away from the action. Stay, get my hand off the plow. Because I'm afraid I'm just going to go out there and make the same mistakes over and over and over again. Another very popular verse to answer this. Ephesians chapter 6. This is one of my favorite history lessons as well, so get ready. Buckle up. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the shield of faith. Oops, take up the whole, no, yep, go to the next one. Take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God. Yet in all these... Oh, now it's... I'm sorry, you guys are killing me over here. Uh, <laughs> uh, which, is the, which is the word of God. We've also got the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all the flaming darts, and the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, I already said all that stuff. Here's what I want you to understand. This text was written when Rome kind of ruled the known world. And Rome had soldiers, and soldiers went into battle. And these things they're describing are a shield, a belt, some boots, right, a breastplate. If I were to show you a picture of that, or if you've ever watched some sort of recreation, all these things go on the front of a person. They're all attached to the front, which means if you turn around, you're exposed. You're getting hit. You're dying. There's another reference in here that talks about the fiery darts, the fiery arrows of the devil. This is my favorite one. Time for a lesson on warfare. They used to carry shields. Shields were made of leather or some sort of something that they could do. They didn't have metal shields. They didn't have the, the metal working, the metallurgy that we have today. So they had leather shields with wood that made them. And what would happen is they'd shoot these arrows, the shields would stop them. So one day, people in the castle being stormed figured out, if we light the arrows on fire, it hits the shield, the shield burns. No more shield. I, I stopped these people from attacking. So then, warfare advanced again on the people carrying the shields, and they actually brought people out with buckets of water. And with these buckets of water, they would throw them on the shields, put out the arrows. And eventually, we improved even more. We would dip the shields in water before going to make the attack. Then when the fiery arrows hit, they were extinguished. Now read the scripture again. Hold up this shield so that you will be able to extinguish the fiery arrows, the, the height of, of warfare at the time. You will carry the perfect defense. But here's what you can't do. You can't turn around. You can't go back because then those arrows start hitting you for show. Sure. Show. You have to go forward. Forward facing follower. We go forward into it. As soon as the enemy distracts us and we go, what was that? Bang. Dead. Done. It starts hitting. It starts hurting. We make mistakes. 
We do the very thing we're afraid of, making the same mistake over and over again. How do you stop making the same mistake over and over again? Go forward with the whole armor of God, His righteousness and His truth. The salvation He's given you, and most importantly of all, the Word. Meditate on this. This is your sword. This is your defense. By knowing the Scriptures, by knowing who Lot's wife is, you are more equipped to extinguish the fiery arrows of the evil one. That when they hit your shield, they are put out like that because he has prepared you for it through his word. <coughs> you may not know, but I'm sick. Have been all week, but I feel pretty good right now. All right. <laughs> Next one. When you feel stuck, anyone ever feel stuck? Just stuck. It's like, I'm not going forward, I'm not going backward, I'm not going left, I'm not going right. I'm just stuck. <coughs> the water? Somebody? I have a crop truck, but I hate them. Okay. They have that menthol in them, it's just, yeah. okay. When you feel stuck, here's what you should say, Ephesians 6, 11, uh, sorry, Romans 8, 37. Thank you, sir. It's a great church. We support each other, we lift each other up. Water. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. You're stuck? Guess what? You don't have to win this battle. You're already more than a conqueror through Him who loved us. See, what happens when we get stuck is we try to get ourselves unstuck. You see the brokenness of that statement all by itself? When we're stuck, we try to get ourselves unstuck. Who's the one that's in charge? Where, I'm sorry. Where, who, where? He is the one that's in charge. And he has given us the power to be more than conquerors. You think you're stuck? He's about to yank you. Have you ever been pulled behind a boat like on an inner tube? You guys like to do that? But it's more fun when you're driving the boat and you got your kid out there on the inner tube, right? And what you do is you put them on there, you leave a bunch of slack in the rope. Tell, dads, tell me, I, I, you don't know, know exactly where I'm going with this, right? You leave a bunch of slack in the rope, and then you just hit it. So that when the rope goes taut, they just get whipped out and just leave them there. Right? Like, hey, <laughs> hold on, man. We're trying, to, we're trying to do some tubing. Or maybe you, you keep going left and right, and you get this kind of thing going, and then you get a little bit of slack in there, and then you really kick it, and they go way up in the air, and then you don't know where that kid is, and that's... That's why I only have two kids, even though we had... No, that's not. <laughs> we get stuck. God's about to yank you. God's about to yank you out of there. You're not going to do it yourself. For we are more than conquerors because of Him who loved us. When you feel stuck, remember we are more than conquerors because of Him who loved us. Doesn't matter that you've been here before. Doesn't matter that you're afraid you're going to do it over and over again. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. For we don't rely on ourselves, we rely on Him. And He yanks us out of there. Just hold on to the tube, bro. And don't let go. Next, when you feel shame. Oof. When you feel shame. This is probably the worst one for me. I know I'm forgiven. 
I know that, that, that God doesn't care and, and it doesn't matter anymore. I know all the things I've just told you. But yet, shame still lives, still comes and haunts. I remember. I know God's forgotten, but I remember. <laughs> Probably because I keep looking back, right? But here it is. I still have this shame. You know, I've, I've wronged my wife. She still lives with me. I say, uh, you know, there's a famous song by a country singer that says, we bury the hatchet, but leave the handle sticking out. You guys know what I'm talking about there? <laughs> just in case we get in another argument so she can just go. Whoosh. Now she doesn't, but that's my shame, right? I'm always like, oh, how can I even possibly say anything in this situation? I've done wrong. I have shame. When you feel shame, when you feel shame, Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, maybe this doesn't seem like it fits to you. When you feel shame, give thanks. When you feel shame, be thankful. Some people would say that the op opposite of shame is pride. The opposite of shame is pride. That sort of makes sense. It's actually not at all correct. In fact, the reason for shame, pride is its source. Pride is the source of shame. Because I want to be so full of myself, I feel bad about what I've done. And shame comes sneaking in. The opposite of shame is also the opposite of pride, and that word is humble. Humility. Humble. And when you are humble and realize you've done nothing for yourself, but instead God is a source of all things that are good and true and pure and joyful and perfect, then we can go, wow, thank you, God. I'm ashamed of what I've done, but thank you for the forgiveness. Thank you for the salvation. Thank you for stepping into my Egypt and leading me to the promised land. When I feel shame, I should be thankful, not prideful, humble, and in humility, give thanks. The past isn't a part of me anymore. I don't live there anymore. I'm going forward. I've got the armor of God, which only works when I'm faced forward. I've got the knowledge of the word. I've got the identity in myself as a follower of Christ. Not me, but him. So when I feel that shame sneaking in, I know what to do. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for taking that away. I know it's me. I'll take that thought captive. And instead, I will give thanks. When I feel shame, I give thanks. When your past starts straight up haunting you. When your past is straight up haunting you. This sounds a lot like shame, but it's different. Shame is that feeling of, I don't deserve to be here. This is awful. I just, I, uh, the hauntingness is, kind of a, uh, wrapping up everything we've talked about, where it just, I can't walk four steps without Satan saying, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that. And I'm trying to go forward, but it's just haunting me. When your past is haunting you, 
And Zechariah says this. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to, anyone want to try to pronounce that one? Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You remember when the apostles were at Pentecost and they were waiting and these flaming tongues appeared above their heads and the Holy Spirit swam through and, and there was a rushing wind and they went out and many people were saved. They were saved because the apostles were so great. They were saved because the apostles knew a bunch of languages. No, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah is an Old Testament book and predicted what would happen. And guess what? That day when the Holy Spirit fell on Pentecost is the same as today for the Holy Spirit falls every single time we worship, every single time we pray, every single time we go to a Bible study or talk to someone while driving down the road in, in, in prayer and supplication, the Holy Spirit is with us. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by His Spirit that that haunting is pushed out of our lives. What is the answer to the haunting? Turn on some spiritual songs. Quote your favorite verse. Quote that verse. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. There's a song about that too, if you're old enough to remember it. The answer to the haunting, the constant reminder, is that his spirit will free you from it. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Satan is always going to try to get you caught up looking backwards. But if we look forward and realize it's not by us, but by his spirit, we have freedom. We can move forward. And forward is the way to go. Last one. Last one. When life seems to have no purpose... When life seems to have no purpose, I have come all these years, however old you may be, you could be 14, you could be 140, all these years I've made it and I just feel like I've gotten nowhere. My life has no purpose. Look at this, John 10, 10. Yes. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Pastor Dave quoted that this morning. You guys stealing my sermon topics. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants you to say, my life has no purpose. He wants to steal and kill and destroy this following, this forwardness that you have following Jesus. He'd love to take that from you. Of course he would. Steal your joy and make you go, my life has no purpose. Because that's his point. That's his goal. But Jesus... Our Lord and Savior who died on a cross and rose on the third day, who sent the Holy Spirit, that we have power, says, I have come to give you new life, more life, better life, joyful life. You can stand up here and scream and yell and jump up and down and praise his name because of the life he has given us. When you feel like your life has no purpose, check yourself before you wreck yourself. God 
gives you life and gives it to you more abundantly. The Bible says some plant, some water, some harvest. And I think we, we always want to be the harvester. We always want to be there when someone comes to Christ or when they come to church for the first time or when they first hit see. But you know how many times you guys are watering? You live in the Northwest. You should know that water is very important. You're watering all the time. When we get to heaven, we're going to see a full kind of report of our lives. And God's going to say, see this person? You watered that person. You didn't know it. You thought your life had no meaning and no purpose. You were living in your past, thinking other things. But this person and this person and this person are here today because of something you did. You didn't even know it. It's because they knew you were a Christian and saw you living your life and saw you not getting caught up in the past and saw you not feeling stuck, but instead saying, not by mind, not by power, but by my spirit. That person came to know Jesus, and 10 years down the road, they went to the right place at the right time, and someone harvested. And now they're here. Your life has purpose. It's bigger than you. It's not up to you, it's not up to me to decide what the purpose is of every single day, every single thing that I do, but instead to understand that God's plan is greater than ours. And that every single thing has purpose. He's come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly. He's come because we needed him. We don't want to be Lot's wife. We don't want to be looking back and get stuck and get frozen and get murdered or killed or however you want to think about it, being caught up. We don't want to turn around and have those fiery arrows hit us. We want to stay forward, facing forward, going forward. We want to be the three F's, forward followers of Christ. That's not what I said. <laughs> forward facing followers. Look at your notes, Daniel. Forward facing followers. When we're facing forward and we're going forward, we might feel stuck, but you're not. That, that cord's about to rip. You're about to go up in the air. Things are about to happen when we face forward. But when we turn around, when we start to look at our past, when we start to remember all these things and start to feel stuck and start to feel haunted and we can't seem to remember what Pastor Daniel said that one time a long time ago in that service where I wasn't taking notes uh, and I'm trying to remember and, and we're just, we're all about our past instead of being forward facing followers. That past is not much, hasn't turned into anything except for this. And those chains hold us to the past and they tie us down and we're stuck. We can't get out. Because our past, don't you know? That past is still there. It's not there. It's like going to your childhood home. If I went to your childhood home and knocked on it and said, I'm looking for so-and-so, they go, so-and-so don't live here. That was their childhood home. That was their home when they were 20. That was their home when they were 30. That was their home when they were whatever age. They don't live here anymore. But, but, no. Chains don't work by the Spirit of God. Because of what Jesus has done for us, He has the power to break every chain. There is nothing that can bind you to the past. 
There is nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say there's one thing. It doesn't say there's a couple things. Well, unless you did this, and then, well, I'm sorry, there's there's no coverage for you. No, Jesus paid it all. And in his name, he has the power to break every chain. Why are we carrying these around? You put down all that baggage. You're not carrying that around anymore, yet somehow you're still chained to it. Jesus has the power to break every chain. If you're sitting in this room right now, and you've listened to me mess up the name of the sermon four times and uh, misquote scripture, If you're not looking forward right now, but instead you're chained, today's the day. Right here, right now. Identify it, take that thought captive, and release the chains. Do not leave this place chained to your past. If there's a bell going off in your mind right now, in your heart, that it's time to break some chains, then I encourage you that as as I'm done praying and we sing this final song, that you would just either in your chair pray. If you want, you can go right out these doors and we have pastors and elders that want to pray with you. Break these chains. Not by your power, not by your might. If if that was going to work, you would have broken them already. But by his power by His Spirit, for in His name, He has the power to break every chain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we don't want to live in the past, Lord. We don't want to live in the past anymore. We know that by our flesh, by our physicality, by our weakness, that we are easily caught up in the past. We identify this enemy who's come to steal and kill and destroy, and we don't want to give him that power anymore. We don't want chains. We want to be free and free indeed. We want that life and more abundant life that you have promised us. In this place, Lord, we declare there is power in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and that in his power, By His Spirit, we claim victory over these chains, over the past. For we are more than conquerors. The victory is great because of who you are, not because of us, not because of what we've done, but because of what you did and have done and continue to do in our lives. (coughs) Father, if there is any heart, mind, spirit or soul that is being chained down, I ask you to touch that person right now. Every single person who's being chained down right now, touch them, compel them, tell them it's going to be okay, but that you have the opportunity to break those chains. We want to celebrate you and who you are. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We glorify you for you're worthy of it all. We pray these things in the name of our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.